Well, good morning and welcome. And we will uh, go ahead and get started with a word of prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather together to look into your word. I thank you for each and every person who is here and uh, the people who come to our church. I just pray that you would uh, do your work in our hearts and in our minds to conform us to your image. Uh, we thank you for your word by which we can be <laughs> sanctified. I just pray uh, for the teaching of your word this morning, that it would be clear and accurate and applicable to our lives. And we just thank you for that incredible work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we thank you for your plan for this world, which uh, and the, pl the uh, privilege that it is to live in this period of time in which we are uh, a part of the church. And we thank you for the church and the, the access that we have to you through faith in Christ. And I just pray that we would be faithful to the mission of the church that we find in your word. And that is to be uh, lights in this dark world. We thank you for uh, the time that we are living. That it is rather obvious that we... <laughs> We have a great opportunity to be a light for you in this world, and I just pray that you would uh, help us to do that, that you would encourage us to do that, that we would be edified and strengthened to walk with you. And I just uh, pray again for this time that it would be uh, honoring and pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so with that, let's go to the book of Proverbs. And we are moving on to chapter 4 in our study this morning of this wonderful book of the Bible, book of poetry. doesn't have a lot to say about geography and these kinds of things. That wasn't uh, Solomon's intention. Rather, his intention is to impart wisdom to the readers of this book and the ones that he, the audience that he had in mind in particular were his children, as we will see again uh, this morning in Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 9 uh, today. And the title that I gave to this is How to Raise Godly Children. And as we'll see, that this chapter can easily be broken into three, three different sections that uh, give us some guidance on how we ought to be raising our children. And so all the teenagers and uh, people without children, oh, good, I don't have to listen. Isn't that... I get a nice break during Sunday school. Well, let's not get lost in the title, uh, as these things are actually applicable to every single one of us. Some of us have grandchildren, uh, and so we can use these principles to uh, help in the effort to raise our, raise our grandchildren to be godly. Uh, and, oh, by the way, these principles don't just apply to children. They apply to each and every one of us. So if you find yourself not having children, not having your grandchildren, you can just apply them to yourself and uh, end up with the same... Uh, result, helping yourself. 
And so as we uh, look into this, we, of course, the genre of Solomon, the genre that he is using here, that Solomon is using in the book of Proverbs is poetry. And there's a lot of talk among uh, Christian scholars of genre in the Bible and how we ought to interpret the different genres that we find. Genre is just a, is a fancy word for the type of writing that it is. Is it uh, poetry? Uh, we have historical books like the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, or the Gospels would fit into kind of a historical type of books, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, uh, and then, of course, we have uh, epistles or another type of um, genre that we find in the Bible, letters that are written to various churches. And then, of course, there's the prophecy, and that's the big one that uh, Christian scholars like to harp on that, oh, well, that's the genre of prophecy, and so we automatically need to use a different method of interpretation for prophecy because it's a different genre. And uh, that's very dangerous. That is just an excuse to uh, use your own imagination to reinterpret what God has given to us. So uh, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that with prophecy. Uh, We don't want to do that with poetry. Either We want to use consistently the same method of interpretation because at the end of the day, it's the same author who is communicating to us his message. And we, we think God is a good communicator, right? I mean, isn't that sort of uh, kind of ought to go without saying? He doesn't lie, uh, for one. That's a good quality of a communicator. Uh, he always tells the truth, uh, the, other, the flip side of that. He invented the idea of communication, as a matter of fact, and imparted it to us. So, of course, he's a good communicator. So, while there may be some things that we don't understand in the Scriptures, one thing that we ought to know is that God is communicating to us through the Scriptures, and therefore, our goal ought not to be to project our own way of thinking into what we think of the world into the Scriptures. Rather, we need to let the Scriptures inform how we think about the world. And uh, that's a good idea, not just in the book of Proverbs or in the book of Revelation that we'll study during the service. It's, It's always a good idea to interpret to understand that scripture is given to us by God and therefore we're trying to to uh, understand what he is communicating to us 2 Timothy 3:16 all scripture is inspired or god breathed and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of god may be adequate equipped for every good work, and no, nowhere is that more true than the book of Proverbs. So as we, so it's all that to say, this is applicable to everyone, every one of us, where whatever we find our situation to be. 
in life. And so this week we'll look at spur, uh, the idea of spurring children to seek wisdom or for ourselves, uh, spur yourself <laughs> to seek wisdom. Uh, next time it'll be implore them to stay on the right path. And then finally, this idea of persistence, three, three great traits. If you have any desire to be a godly person, you ought to be doing this yourself. Seek wisdom do everything that you can to stay on the correct path, and you need to be persistent. I'm not sure if if we've all learned that lesson in life, but uh, life isn't a bed of roses. It takes some persistence, and the Bible uh, informs us of that. Proverbs chapter 4, and verse 1 says, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father and give attention that you may gain understanding for I give you sound teaching do not abandon my instruction the first first uh, takeaway from this if you have any desire for your children to be godly uh, you need to teach them particularly as fathers we take the the example of Solomon here Solomon is the father and he is the one who's teaching his children so uh, this kind of uh, not telling you anything earth shattering here, but children are going to learn one way or the other, whether you do it or whether someone else is doing it, they're going to learn. And the same thing is true for, for each and every one of us. You know, we ought to uh, be paying attention to the kinds of things that we're taking into our brains. Uh, we're teaching ourselves one thing or another. What are we thinking about? What are we reading? What are we uh, watching on TV or on our computers and these kinds of things. That will affect our worldview, the way that we look at God's creation and these kinds of things. So we need to be uh, filling our minds with the correct information. And this is the duty of fathers to teach their children. And the duty of children is to listen. And so as believers... When we are confronted by the Holy Spirit, which, after all, that's what He does, uh, He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's, that's the duty of the Holy Spirit according to the Scriptures. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't... Uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what we find. So, when we are being convicted by the Holy Spirit, we need to be softened to those things, just like sons need to listen, like Solomon is instructing his children to do here, instructing them to listen. We need to be doing the same thing in our personal lives and allowing God's Word and the Holy Spirit to teach us. That first word there, here, is the, the Hebrew term Shema. You may be familiar with that. It is, uh, it is an imperative. It is a command. Listen, hear this, pay attention. Uh, there's a very famous uh, use of this word that is actually called the Shema by, uh, I guess, English speaking. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, English speaking uh, Israelites, anyway, they would use the term the uh, El Shema, or uh, I'm having, I can't think of the word for the, uh, 
off the top of my head now uh, in Hebrew. But at any, any rate, the Shema commands to the Israelite people the thing that they ought to be about is from De- Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, So, can... Uh, contained within the the Shema is this idea of teaching your children. Solomon uh, grabs onto that idea and is expressing exactly the same thing. We need to uh, be about teaching our children. As I was, as I mentioned before, they're going to learn one way or the other. They're going to learn in school. They're going to learn from TV. They're going to learn from YouTube. They're going to learn from TikTok uh, or whatever the input is. They're going to learn one way or the other. And we need to realize this and be the one who is forming their thinking. Uh, many of the problems that we see in small, even in small town America, Flushing, Michigan, uh, were unheard of even just 10 or 15 years ago. You did not see the kinds of things that are going on in this world. Uh, transgenderism, I, the, the list is endless of, of these kinds of issues that filter their way into uh, small towns unlike anything, any other time that it's been. Like these ideas of homosexuality and even uh, transgenderism used to call it trans uh, that they were transvestites. Uh, now we have a different term for that. But at any rate, these aren't new. These things were warned about in the scriptures. But the idea that they're being accepted on a mass scale across the entire country—red state, blue state, Democrat city, Republican city, big city, small city—makes no difference. Uh, I've traveled the country, and you see it everywhere. It is everywhere. And this, in large part, is due to the Internet, because children have access through their phones to the world. And that ought to, uh, that ought to scare us as parents. And kids ought to be scared. Don't get your worldview from TikTok. <laughs> uh, it's rather ungodly. Instead, get your worldview from the Bible. And there's so much more going on here than just God projecting a, a legalistic standard for these people to follow in Deuteronomy, in the book of Proverbs, and even for us. God is not mandating that we do this because he's mean and controlling. That's just ridiculous. That the fact of the matter is that he cares about us. Solomon cares about his children. I care about you. Uh, God cares about us. That's why he's very concerned with his name, God is, and he's not willing that any should perish, according to 2 Peter 
3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so he wants us to live in a way that we are prepared to believe in him. And the way that we are prepared to believe in him, especially as children, is to have these ideas uh, inculcated into us uh, from the beginning. And that's the duty of the parents. And so uh, the result of this will be that we gain understanding and that we avoid sin. That's the, that's the, entire, the entire point of this. And again, we have Second Peter, or uh, I'm sorry, Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that I read earlier. Uh, that all of this scripture is inspired to us for the purpose that we would be godly and live for him. And so again, it's not uh, just projecting some legalistic standard to us. It is preparing our hearts and our minds to, to live for him. Uh, it's interesting phrase there, do not abandon my instruction that, uh, or I give you sound teaching, do not abandon the, uh, my instruction. That is the instruction. There is the term for, or is the term Torah that we get the law from. We, we should not be forsaking God's law that he has given to us. Psalm 89 verse 30, if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David." His descendants shall endure forever, and his throne is the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. And uh, so, you know, we, uh, we can take a number of uh, truths from that. The church has not replaced Israel so that Israel is now excluded from God's plan for the world. That's going to be... <laughs> One of the main takeaways, even if they do forsake his instruction, uh, which they did, obviously, God, who cannot lie, has made promises to them, and he will uh, carry them out. This idea that of covenant theology or replacement theology, uh, I will, I'll say it's unbiblical, and therefore I'll say it's heretical. Uh, because it is completely unbiblical. As God has made these promises to the nation of Israel, and he will fulfill his word to them. Notice verse 3. says, when I, when I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. 
and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. This is another principle of this. Not only do fathers teach their sons, but generational faithfulness <laughs> is required. Solomon hearkening back to his days as a child, saying that his father did the same thing for him. And this is true for us as well. Never has it been more true than it is today. Every generation is is the same. And it seems as time goes on, this principle just builds and builds and builds in importance. As it has been said many times before, uh, we are, as Christians, Christianity is one generation away from extinction. One generation away from failure. So it is up to us. We have to do this. And again, notice that he, he makes reference to being uh, tender and the only son in the sight of my father. So he was at a, at a very young age. This begins. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This begins uh, really at day one. It's a, it's a really good idea to, to start down this road as uh, things get more and more... Uh, you get entrenched into habits very early on with children and in just in life in general. It's hard to get out of those, so start with them very young. Bring them to church when they're little babies. I love to see it. Love to hear that. Uh, and unfortunately, men, I know this because I am one, uh, have a tendency to shirk this responsibility of teaching off to your wife. And that, that is a mistake. Uh, obviously, logistically, in most families, the, the, the uh, most traditional families, I guess I can't say that anymore. Historically, men have been the ones who have been earning living in the, in the uh, family, and women have been at home with the children. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, logistically, wives have been the ones who have more opportunity to teach children and do it the day-to-day -day, uh, aspects of it. However, it's still our responsibility as the fathers in the home. Uh, and doesn't mean that, oh, you know, eh, my wife's going to take care of that. So I'll just let the kid, well, she's uh, doing her thing and I have charge over the children. I'll just let them do whatever they want. That's because that's her thing and I don't feel like dealing with it. Obviously, that's ridiculous. You can't, you can't, uh, be like that. We are the spiritual head of the home, and we set the tone as, as the men. We need to be doing that at any rate. And oh, by the way, you're an example to your children, one way or the other. Uh, be, you're not only an example when you're a good example to your children, you're always an example, and they're paying attention. Notice that Solomon is inspiring a heart change for his children. Verse 4, he said this is what uh, David did for him. Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Because after all, 
the hearts of our children are not innocent and pure and perfect, even though they may appear that way when we look at them on the outside, especially when they're little tiny babies and they're asleep in their crib, it's very easy to succumb to the idea of how precious and perfect this uh, little creature is. The Bible tells us something very different, however, about his heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our hearts need to be transformed. They need to be conformed to the image of God. And this doesn't just happen automatically, like it says in Romans 12, 1 through 2. We need to be uh, transforming our minds and our hearts through God's Word. And so uh, the, our hearts need changed because they start off bad. So, uh, for example, we should not be getting our worldview and our theology from books like The Shack that teaches that we all have a little bit of God within us and these kinds of things. Uh, yeah, the author of that, is, of that book is a heretic, uh, <laughs> to put it bluntly. He believes that we're all good and therefore, we're basically gods within ourselves. And ultimately, that's what paganism is. When we make a god and we put it on a shelf, as the pagans did, they are the ones who are constructing God. They're making God themselves. So it is their concept of who God is. And eventually, you're turning it around that, that you are the god on the shelf. And that's just, uh, that's what the world is headed back towards and a basic misunderstanding of what the scriptures say about who we are as uh, being conceived in sin. And so we hear David is uh, inspiring his son to acquire wisdom. Solomon is recounting his own father's words to him. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding, be sanctified is what he's saying in, in Christianese there. Uh, have this as the desire of your heart. And we do this through the word. Verse 5, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Uh, and we are sanctified in the word. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. We do this by walking by means of the spirit. <clears throat> Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The word and the spirit work within us to lead us into Godliness, and this is there is cooperation in this between us and the work that God does in our hearts. Romans thirteen fourteen. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Seek after wisdom. Seek after understanding, and do not forget. Uh, and this is something that we can all fall prey to from time to time and why we need to be doing things like coming to church and 
being built up in the Word, studying His Word uh, as we go about our days and these kinds of things because we have a tendency to forget because our hearts are desperately wicked and are fallen. So we need to be uh, reminded about these things all the time. Uh, Moses was very concerned with this in uh, the book of Deuteronomy. That was the whole point of the book of Deuteronomy so that uh, they would remember that who they were serving and what they were going to do. Uh, Paul was very concerned that the Thessalonians would remember uh, the teaching that he gave to them, 2 Thessalonians 2, 5. Do you not remember that while I was with you, I was telling you these things? Second uh, Thessalonians 2. I wish we had two hours for Sunday school. We could go into that and talk about the importance of doctrine in their lives and even doctrine about future things and how it was having an effect on their current life today. And Paul implores them, don't you remember? Don't be shaken. Don't be upset. Don't be disturbed. I told you these things before. You have to remember these things that I uh, instructed you about. Otherwise, you'll be like the person that James describes in James 1. 21, he says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. This is uh, Solomon's goal for his children, for them to be blessed, not to be a tyrant and have them follow a legalistic set of standards. He wants them to be godly. And how do we do this? Very quickly, how is it? Uh, 10.45 already. Proverbs 4, 7, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding, prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will, be, she will present you with a crown of beauty. So what's the most important part of being wise? Acquiring wisdom. That's not very, that's not very difficult. The Hebrew term is kana, is to buy it. Put your energy into it. Be consumed with being wise in this life. Uh, make it your thing. As Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these other things that you're concerned with will be added to you. Don't worry about those things. Be, or be more concerned with being righteous and you'll find uh, the, the things of life being added to you and that you're being blessed. Being wise has dividends is essentially what it says. The language here is, almost, is very much like an investment. You invest in wisdom, it will pay back some dividends to you. 
you will be rewarded. Very, very much like what James says. It's almost like these New Testament authors uh, uh, have an understanding of the Hebrew Bible and are transmitting that to us. James 4, 7, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That There's a dividend for you. Are you uh, having a lot of difficulties in your life? Does it seem like Satan is against you in your life? Well, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, James says. God says do it to us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's quite a benefit. It's very, it would be a very wise thing to resist the devil and uh, flee to God. Draw near to God. He will, the, Satan will flee from you and God will draw near to you if you do that. that is, that's a good cost-benefit analysis there. And you will get grace. As the New Testament says, uh, give grace and you will get grace. And that is essentially the idea of loving God and loving others wrapped up into one uh, nice package. Just as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Plain, Luke 6, verse 38, Give and it will be given to you. Give grace and it will be given to you. Uh, Seek the things of God and you will get a giant reward in the end. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return. So we will end it right there. You want to have godly children. You want to raise godly children. Spur them to seek wisdom. You want to be a godly person. uh, Spur yourself to seek wisdom. Acquire it as if it were something valuable. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to look into your word. We thank you for the book of Proverbs. And just pray that you would help us to seek wisdom, to gain understanding, to have our minds uh, stayed on you and your word and apply uh, the truths that we find there to our thinking and our actions. And we just pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us in that and direct us in your word to be a lamp to our feet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.